Blog Talk Radio. wisdom of our families, and we see that how when we explore these things together that there's something, something happens. Like every week that we do this show, we start out with a theme and we can just go deeper and deeper and deeper into the topic, and we realize that we really are all the same, and we're all facing different, different and similar struggles, and that when we talk about it, dive deeper on the Mama's Pearl show and on our blogs um, that it just, it just helps soothe everyone. And one of the, the things that we've been focusing on for September, being that all our kids are going back to school, is education. It's been our back-to-school month on Mama's Pearls, and today is the, the wrap-up show for that. But even in wrapping up, one thing Melissa and I were talking about yesterday was that there's so many different avenues to explore in education. Melissa was saying, it, it, you know, you, like you said, it was it's such a critical part of our kids' lives. And we just are, you know, like we kind of do everything our first round talking and introducing a new topic is that we kind of just do introductory topics. And this whole month has been, while very, very deep in, in information and insights, has been just a top-level um, look at our educational system. And we've been basically focusing on a lot of the positives out, out there and, um, and being supportive and, and reassuring families that your educational team is sort of a safety net um, for you and your family. But we haven't even gotten into any of the negative aspects of education. And while we're not necessarily going to focus on that that now we do realize that that is a topic that needs to be addressed as well, and we are planning to break into that at a future time. But when you get into, like, the negatives of an educational system or in your local school district, one alternative for you might be to homeschool your children. And we had the pleasure of speaking with two moms last week who have um, one tried to, <laughs> or actually did a temporary homeschooling environment with her um, 12-year-old daughter who was in the school system, and then she pulled her out for a couple of years to spend some more time with her one-on-one and to do traveling and kind of, you know, learn on learn on the go, being a more self-directed approach to education. And then we spoke with another mom 
who has um, three kids, uh, and two of them are twins, the younger ones are twins, and how she's basically committed to homeschooling them from a very early on, from pre-K on. And, you know, I was just completely amazed and entranced listening to these two women. Last week's show was called Old School, No Homeschool. And the um, and the the show can be found on the archives at blogtalkradio.com slash mamasgirls. But both Tracy and Anna had so many wonderful um, insights into debunking the myth. And, Melissa, your M. Shems was all about debunking the myth of homeschooling because, you know, there are so many stereotypes out there, which, you know, if you look at the research, a lot of them are valid, but a lot of them don't really have a, have a place anymore, that more and more parents are, it's a rising trend to basically go back to um, the old schooling ways, which before school systems were put into place, um, kid, every kid was homeschooled. So I thought it was a really, really interesting and insightful and insightful show. I, I thought it was a great show, and it was funny because um, it's a lot of work and a huge amount of dedication, um, but I think it opened my eyes that it's not impossible if it became an option that it wouldn't, you know, that it works. There's this the statistics behind it support the homeschool. Um, you know, there's absolutely no, I would never look down on anyone or judge if I heard of anyone homeschooling. If anything, once again, I'd be in awe, but I'd also understand it's a great decision, you know, if you can do it. So um, uh, I'm, I'm excited. And what's interesting is Tracy pulls upon a great point, that if your child does have a disability, or a learning disability that you find is not being handled well in your school system, this is even more of a reason to do that. So I think it was a great opening our eyes to move into this week's discussion. Yeah, I thought the whole thing was amazing and so insightful. And it, it's definitely a challenge that I couldn't take on. Um, or, or actually, I, I, I don't think I would take on right now, particularly. I mean, you, there's so much sacrifice that goes into it, and sacrifice is kind of kind of a double-edged sword because you know you get what you you get out what you put into it, and obviously, if you're going to invest any time, it's worth investing your time and your children. But for mothers, especially who do work um, and have a career that they're managing. You know, how can you also homeschool your kids? You know, I would see, I would think it's it's almost next to impossible to do. So, you know, and Tracy, she had a career which she basically put on hold, so she can stay home and, and homeschool her kids, and she's going to continue with it. So, we basically put out the invitation to her to keep us posted on on her progress with it because. Again, it's just something that um, I'm just completely in awe and have so much respect for parents who do decide to take that extra responsibility on. There's, there's something, there is a little bit of comfort know, knowing that your, your responsibility to educate your child is shared with teachers and the school system and the state um, and that there's other people to hold accountable um, and also to help you because I am not a teacher and I don't know, um, even though I'm teaching my kids every day, like I don't know if I'd be able to and I don't think anybody would really want me teaching my kids certain subjects. <laughs> like, well, I, you know. I laugh because um, 
my children's teachers sent home a reading log sheet that we have to log every every book that we read. And I was laughing to myself. I was like, oh, man, what about this? This is the pressure. Now I have to actually decide what I read to them because it would be embarrassing to put down, you know, like the comic strip Return of the Jedi. <laughs> so now I'm like putting the pressure on myself to pick, like, you know, winning prize books, you know, stuff that they're reading in the school. <laughs> I was like, oh, I can't take all this pressure. So I haven't, well, come, to the point. I haven't come to the point where I'm making up stuff yet, but uh, – <laughs> yeah, that's when it gets really scary when they start like, you know, disputing out disputing out like false facts that they get from learning ancient Egypt from the mummy or something like that. And um, you know, although if if George Lucas did invent and create a learning series for kids, um, and took topics, you know, I would definitely definitely do that with my kids because, you know, both of them are obsessed with Star Wars and are such visual learners that that would be just amazing. But he hasn't done that yet, Um, you know, because he needs some extra work. But anyway, I digress. So, you know, in in looking at the whole field of, um, of who our children are and the educational system and what it's really there to accomplish, one of the things, and I don't think we can really leave, leave our back to school month without touching upon and throwing the doors wide open on a very growing number of children who have special needs and, um, and also the, the types of services and people out there who can help you in your journey. And this week on Mama's Pearls, the, um, the, the title is Short Bus, and, you know, that, that's kind of a, a stereotypical take as, you know, as I remember from, from being a kid that anybody with special needs, you know, would kind of be joking about, oh, they have to take the short bus to school, that it's a special bus. And, you know, and when I, when I wanted to, to focus on and what, what came up for me um, when I started writing this week's blog, which, which you can find both my blog and Melissa's blog, Gems at www.mamaspearls.com, um, was really how different the perception towards children with special needs and parents who are, who are handling children with special needs was when I was growing up um, compared to now. And it's much more commonplace now, and the pearl of the week this week is that it's the new normal because I think, you know, and the more people that I talk to about special needs um, any on any of the spectrum of it, and we'll get into that a little bit in a little bit about um, just how wide the spectrum is, you know, anybody that I really talk about now knows someone or there's somebody in their family, and it's much more of an open conversation. When I was going to school, I, I remember being in school and, like, being in the special education class you know, there was such a stigma about it and it, there was such negativity swirling swirling around. And when I was doing research this week, you know, part of it was that there wasn't any, any legislation in place um, until 1974 that really started protecting the rights of children with special needs and kind of carving out um, a different and more personalized education plan to help these children along and where this 
both the government and um, where the federal government and the state government would then step in and provide funding for these services. And basically, you know, as time went on and more kids had special special needs and family were requesting um, and basically demanding services, that's where it became more commonplace and um, and more services became available. And one thing that that I just I just found was pretty remarkable was that um, that it's now like a mandated right that children with special needs must be entitled to receive an individualized education program in the least restrictive environment possible. And when I really thought about what that means, I'm like, how cool is that? That no matter what your child is dealing with, that is, um, you know, and, and in the blog this week, I kind of step into the emotional roller coaster of discovering um, and the discovery process of, you know, learning that your child um, has special needs um, and it is an emotional roller coaster and anybody, any parent who's been through it will tell you it's just completely heart, heart wringing, um, which you have with, you know, just as a parent in general, but it seems even more, that much more intense when you have a child with special needs, but, you know, looking back at now that we have it set up, like it's kind of like a dichotomy. There's kind of a split where you have the children who are now, we're not called normal anymore, <laughs> they're called typically developing children that are in the the regular classes, and it's kind of like a pack. And, you know, they have their state curriculum, and it's you know, much more stringent now in terms of having to pass your tests and all that kind of stuff. But now you have these other other blocks of kids with special needs, and you have every right as a parent to work together with your special education team, which must consist of a special education teacher and somebody from the district who can approve all your all the, all the services um, and come up with a plan of action for your child. And, you know, to me, that, that's really cool. I mean, I, I'm kind of like, well, I think every kid should have an individualized educational plan. Um, but I guess when you're in the typically developing thing, you know, it's just kind of you grow and progress as much as your, as your peers, so you don't necessarily need that much tailoring. Um, and, you know, I'm just grateful that there there is this line of thinking and that it has, you know, I'm not, you know, obviously if any, everybody kid could be normal, nobody would be special, um, but, but the fact of the matter is that there are children with special needs and it's a growing number of children in our population um, that we need to address and handle and, and help along. So, you know, this just kind of, this whole topic really just cracked, cracked me open um, as far as the, the emotional process of, of um, parents who go through the discovery process and then when you come out from being dragged through the mud of having to hear that your child, you know, is disabled because in order to receive special services, you must first be classified as disabled and as a child with a disability by your state, at least, you know, in, I know in New York that, that is, you might want to check you know, the laws in your, in, your, um, in your particular state to see what it is and what you're entitled to. But there is such a support structure now built in to helping parents who find out that your child has special needs. And it's not just a support structure. Like, you, are, you, you and your child have rights that are protected, and, um, and the school systems are very much aware of that. And, you know, it's a whole other ball game that you now have 
to go and educate yourself about what it is and to be on top of. Um, so, you know, I'm really excited to kind of, uh, you know, woohoo, but to dive into this topic a little bit deeper and to just open up the door um, into being, you know, being and working with parents and talking with parents um, who have children with, with special needs. That's my intro. I was just going to say, that was a mouthful. Yeah, and that was a real mouthful. I got got a little winded. But it's interesting because I feel over the last 25 years, maybe just more of, you know, the the mother workforce out there and putting children into programs, um, the the term that comes to me is early intervention. And what I I found fascinating and and amazing is – the services that they they use now, and the, and the um, well, I wouldn't call it curriculum, but the services that they give these children really allow children to progress, and 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 sometimes or oftentimes, they end end up being able to go mainstream and and you know, be able to keep up with peers who don't have the the, the issues such as dyslexia and and different types of um, disabilities. So I think the idea of getting kids into systems early has really helped a lot because, like you said in your blog, and what happens is us as parents, a lot of times we make excuses or just don't look deep or know the signs to look for. And so when these kids are, I find that a lot of the children, or at least my friends, it was the schools that picked up and said, hey, you know, let's talk about this. And so I, I think it's it's interesting to see that, we're catching these things earlier, which helps a lot in the long run for these children. So what we're doing is a good thing. Yeah, right. Still and I think right. And and the importance of detection comes up when the disability isn't so obvious. Um, you know, there's testing now that happens in utero that can, you know, let parents know if your if your child has a quote defect. Um, or if there's going to be an issue, other things happen at birth, which is a lot of the um, the reasons behind cerebral palsy. And one of our guests on the show today, um, Ellen, is going to be talking about her experience with her son who has cerebral palsy. And um, she's going to be joining us later in the show. And she writes a, an award-winning blog called Love That Max. And, you know, and that's something that is is pretty relevant earlier on, usually it would happen through a trauma at birth, um, but there are, other, there are other disabilities that happen over time um, or that, that, the, that the symptoms are more noticeable as time goes on with your child. And, and like you said, like, you, you're not really sure who's going. It's, it's really hard when, it's, especially as you're a first-time parent and it's your first kid, it's really hard to, to know what to look for. I mean, you can... Um, watch your kid in different social situations and see how they are against other kids. But a lot of times you, you really don't know or you might push something off and be like, oh, well, it's a boy and it's, it's typical for boys, you know, to be have a little bit of a speech delay. Um, so you kind of shrug it off and then, you know, it won't be until later where some, a teacher or somebody else who's a little bit more um, more versed in, in picking up the signs will be like, you know, I, I really think you should take your, your kids to be evaluated. So a lot of the, um, the speech delays and what's really coming out now is, um, is autism and that there are so many children that are now on the autistic spectrum and it is a wide range, it's a, it is a wide spectrum 
Um, at the statistics are now it's one in every 110 children, and it's one in every 70 boys. So if you have a boy, it's it's pretty likely that that there's some difficulties um, that may lay somewhere on the spectrum, which is which is pretty. It's a pretty staggering statistic. It's um, I think if it's one in a hundred, that that makes it a, uh, an epidemic. So we're right there on the cusp. And um, you know, and again, cerebral palsy and autism are just two of the many, many types of disabilities that that your children can have. And I kind of look at it like this. I kind of look at it like like we are made up of so many moving parts that it's amazing and it's a miracle that like any of us function. So if there is you know one particular part that's off in you or your child, like it's nothing to feel to feel bad about. It's just it's just kind of how it is. So um, you know there's physical disabilities, there's other types of diseases, there's cancers. I mean families deal with so many different um, different balls of wax that it's just it's hard for us to kind of distill and pick which ones we want to actually focus on and, and educate our, our listeners on Mama's Pearls about. But, but this week we are going to start with autism and also cerebral palsy. And I promise we will have many other shows that dive deeper into um, a lot of the other disabilities and the services that are available to help you and your family. Um, one, of the, one of the good things about um, autism is that there's such a rise in in the in support for searching for a cure and searching for answers and searching for the origins of how of how autism does develop in in our children and um, there's so many groups out there and organizations and if you do have an autistic child I'm sure like Jenny McCarthy becomes like your new goddess um, because we all know of her story with her son and she believes firmly believes that her um, her son's autism was caused by mercury-filled vaccinations, and that's a whole other level of debate out there about about the cause of, the cause and effect relationships about our environment and what we put in our bodies with autism. Um, and I think it's 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 not such a radical debate. I think it's you know it's something um, to be looked at and considered. Um, however. What's good about it is that there is a debate out there and happening, and there are people and organizations and science that are and scientists who are working to unravel the myth—not the myth, but the mysteries of how autistic children um, develop autism and how their brains work, so we can help um, help help them learn and um, and find their own pathways. You know, I just think we're all hardwired, and you can tell I have a lot to say on this topic. I, I was just going to say, and to give fair balance, <laughs> there was a party in slip when it comes to myth of the link between uh, vaccine, vaccines and, yeah. and autism. And so I will fair balance here from a science perspective and say the World Health Organization has still stated in recent studies that there's still no link scientifically proven, and also vaccines are important. They save lives. We don't want our kids with measles and mumps because um, the, di- the disabilities from those diseases are, 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 are terrible. They're, they're fatal at times. So <laughs> we're not yeah, making a decision. And the, the whole issue of, vac- of vaccinations, yeah, that's a whole other, that's a whole I, other I, show. You know, so. 
I, I, I get caught up when people are blaming a situation, which is fine because you know what? What's the first thing you do when you hear something is wrong with your child? You try to figure out what happened. Um, but, you know, the World Health Organization still confirms that there's been no proven link and these vaccines that we give our children are so important, but that's for another day. So let's get back to uh yeah, that's a whole other a whole other thing. But um, I'm definitely impassioned about this this topic, and you know, it just so happens that there's a huge walk this Sunday in support of autism that's being hosted um, by Autism Speaks, and um, we've we've talked about Autism Speaks a couple of times on the show already. When when Jeff Gitterman was on the show, um, we talked a little bit about how his son is is autistic, and he's been a a really active participant in in Autism Speak. So I reached out to the organization, and we are lucky enough to have a representative from Autism Speak with us as our first special guest today. Her name is Kira McLaughlin, and um, she's a graduate from the University of Notre Dame, and she has a master's degree from Columbia Teachers College. She was a teaching assistant for one year in a self-contained special education classroom and then a social studies teacher for five years at Massapequa High School. And then she left basically to have her son, Jack, and she's now a stay-at-home mom. And she's been through the process because when Jack was two and a half years old, he was diagnosed with PDD-NOS. And just so everybody knows, like I said, the autism spectrum is a very broad spectrum. Um, and PDD-NOS is one form of autism. She's participated in the Walk Now for Autism Speak, and she then joined the executive committee the following year. So now she is the team mentorship chairperson for the Long Island Walk in support of autism, and I'm just happy that she's with us today to help shed a little bit more light on the work that Autism Speaks does as an organization, as well as her personal experience. So, Kira, are you with us? I am. Hi, Cynthia. Thank you so much for having me. It is a pleasure. Thank you so much for for coming on and arranging your schedule to be able to talk to, talk to us in the Mama's Pearls community today. Absolutely. I'm ha- really happy to be here. So can you tell us a little bit about your personal experience with your son and then what got you um, involved with Autism Speaks? Definitely. Uh, Jack was born in January of 2005, and that coincidentally happens to be the year that Autism Speaks was founded. And in Jack's case, he showed, you know, a number of different signs and symptoms from a very early age, but it wasn't a classic case of autism, and there was a lot of things that Maybe I dismissed or maybe I overlooked, but autism was definitely always kind of there in my mind. A lot of from the Autism Speaks Awareness campaigns that were out there. And I had my second child, my daughter, in March of 07. And a lot of the problems that difficulties we're having with Jack became, you know, really exacerbated as he turned two. And when he was two and a half, I actually brought my concerns about his development to our pediatrician, and she agreed that it was a good idea to get an evaluation. And at that point, he was diagnosed with pervasive developmental disorder, not otherwise specified, which is essentially an autism spectrum disorder. It's not classic autism. My son's not, he is verbal, he had language, but we got that diagnosis and then really jumped off from there. So what are, the, what are the main cues for parents who are now mm-hmm. wondering and, and worried that their child might have, 
has autism? Like what what are some of the, the um, telltale signs? Absolutely. You know, there are some really red flags, classic red flags, for a young child, no big smiles or facial expressions by six months, no back and forth by nine months. You should expect your child to be going back and forth with sounds with you or trying to interact in patty cake games. If you don't hear any babbling by 12 months or pointing, waving gestures at 12 months, no words at 16 months is a, obviously an, also another major sign or two-word meaningful phrases at 24 months, not counting imitating. And any loss of speech at any time is also considered a major red flag. And now Jack's case, and I also think it's really, really important that people know some of the other lesser signs that maybe are not as much major red flags, but when combined with other things really pointed us in the direction of what was going on with Jack. Jack did have language. He did smile. He did babble at 12 months. He had a lot of those milestones. But when he was two years old and beyond, his language was not really functional. In other words, he could repeat phrases that I said, but he might completely break down and have a tantrum because he wanted his milk a certain way, but he wouldn't be able to indicate that to me. He was, from a very young age, he was not very social. He liked to play alone for really long periods of time. What ultimately was told to me was not developmentally appropriate. You know, for example, at six or seven months old, he would take every single toy out of his toy basket and put every single toy back in, and he would stay that way for 40 minutes without seeking me or seeking out my interaction. And that's something that's also really common with children with autism called shared enjoyment, that Jack was not, even as he got one, two, looking for me spontaneously to share an achievement or to share, you know, something funny that happened with me. He had poor eye contact. He could make eye contact, but it was, it was poor. It was not always, it was not very good. It was not consistent. He had, w- could respond to his name, but it sometimes took a couple of times. I thought maybe he was just being stubborn or very involved in his activity, but that lack of response, you know, to your name is also obviously a really big sign. And Jack also had really, really particular interests. He was obsessed with cars, and he wouldn't engage in pretend play with his cars. He would obsessively line them up. Um, and that is obviously another big red flag. Um, he toe walked. He walked on his toes, which some children do. My daughter does and does not have autism. He flapped his hands uh, when he was excited or when he was angry. And he was also very, very routine-oriented. Like, if you had the slightest disruption to the routine, it would really, really throw Jack off more so, and this can happen with a quote-unquote typical child, but really exaggerated when it came to Jack. Right. And and I think that for parents who are listening and are are noticing that your child might have some of the... um, some of the issues that that Kira is mentioning, mm-hmm. that it's it's worth it to explore. I wouldn't say to to run and jump to any any one conclusion, um, right. but that's something that that I've seen also as far as you know the eye contact, the children retreat, the language mm-hmm. isn't developed. They do become you know there's a lack of responsiveness when you when you try to interact with them. Um, and that it's, you know, what was then your first step, though, and what can parents do if they're thinking, okay, mm-hmm. wait, I'm, 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 I'm having 
red flags. I think she's talking about my child. Like what what would a parent then do? Absolutely. For me, it was, and I didn't know for sure, but at his two-and-a-half checkup, I thought that his language wasn't where it should be for how many words he had when he was two. Um, it turned out Jack was with something called echolaic, which I'd never heard of until I entered this world, but he would repeat things that I said. Jack, where's your truck? Where's truck? Where's truck? Rather than answering me. And so I decided that this was something I was going to broach with the pediatrician at that two-and-a-half-year appointment. And the step that we took is in terms of bringing it up with the pediatrician, they are very, very helpful in knowing what you should do next. And our pediatrician pointed us in the direction of an evaluation agency. We happen to use Marion Solomon Agency on Long Island. And I then took the step of calling them, explaining my concerns about my son, and they then set up with us having a, a speech um, pathologist come in to evaluate Jack, as well as having a, you need ultimately a psychologist to make the diagnosis of PBDNOS. She had to come in and do an evaluation with Jack. And so that was a several week process, essentially, having all these people come into the home, testing Jack, you know, simple non-invasive, obviously. And then when you get that diagnosis, from there you're connecting with, in, in our case, because he was under three years old, the county that you live in. For us, it was Nassau County. And you are assigned a coordinator from there who then helps you come up with what they call an IFSP at that age or an Individualized Family Services Plan, which when you basically sit down together and decide, okay, what is it that Jack needs and what, are we, what kind of services are we going to get for him in our home or at a school or center-based program. And that's basically the first steps that we took, and I would definitely encourage anyone who has concerns about their child that a great first step is to, to speak with your pediatrician. Okay. And then um, what I found also is that talking with other parents mm -hmm. and being, being upfront about the issue actually really helps, and you'll find that most of your friends and other parents will be extremely helpful and resourceful and help putting you in contact with other parents um, who they know have children who have special needs or are autistic or have been going mm -hmm. through the evaluation process and trying to find the right services um, for your child. Now, what about autism speech? How does that fit in and what resources are available to parents through autism speech? Autism Speaks is really a great resource, first off, in all that they've done for the awareness campaigns that they really put autism in my mind and leading me to get help for my son. But they also have a number of other resources on their website, autismspeaks.org. There is a resource guide that is applicable for all 50 states. If you go online to their resource guide and you enter in your zip code, it can help you locate a doctor in your area. Let's say if you're looking for a GI doctor or you're looking for a neurologist or even in some cases if you're looking for a place to get your child a haircut, that for us was an incredibly difficult issue, finding a place where Jack could get his haircut without you know, screaming bloody murder. And we actually wound up finding that, that place. That's an excellent resource, all 50 states, where you can find in you know, a 10-mile radius, a 15-mile radius, doctors, support groups, almost just about anything that you could be looking for for your child through that resource guide. And then the resource library, which also has the latest books and magazines and DVDs and educational materials as well. Another great resource, because we were talking about what to do when your child is diagnosed or if you suspect your child might be getting that diagnosis, 
through the Family Services on Autism Speaks, they have a 100-day kit for newly diagnosed families. The 100-day kit for newly diagnosed families is an amazing resource for the first 100 days that's specified to your child's age, to your location. It'll help provide you with tips tips for friends and family, for about what kind of intervention services you should be looking for, about what kind of treatments are available. And as your children get older, there are school kits available that I know that some people like to bring to their school to help raise awareness for your, my child, for example, is in a mainstream setting. You want to make sure, though, that the school is aware of, you know, how to be compassionate and how to interact with your child with special needs. So those are just a few of really some of the amazing resources that you can find at AutismSpeaks.org. Right. And the, and the website is, is extremely com comprehensive and helpful yeah. and supportive and very user-friendly. Um, mm -hmm. One of the things that I was particularly drawn to was the science tab where you talk about um, the, the different involvement and how Autism Speaks really does support a lot of research in science. Is there anything in particular that, that's happening now? You know, they've, they've just had, they've had a number of major developments, you know, especially in 2009. The Autism Genome, Pro, Genome Project, which uses information gathered by the Autism Speak supported Genetic Resource Exchange, is making discoveries, you know, at certain um, chromosomes where they're seeing, you know, um, mutations and things that are associated with certain types of autism, and that's a, a huge, you know, just really kind of accelerating the research there. They have also, through the Baby Sibs Research Project, or Baby Siblings, they're doing a tremendous amount of research where they're asking parents who, let's say, have a child with autism, if you have a, a new baby, they're actually using these babies, researching them to see for even earlier and earlier signs for autism, if they can really improve the detection methods and begin intervention or treatment, you know, er, even earlier than 12 months old, which is incredible because the early intervention absolutely does make a difference in the long-term you know, prognosis and outcomes for children who are diagnosed. There are really just a number of interesting things that are going on um, in, the research in the research front. Um, and a lot of that information, like you said, is on the website with some of these different programs, the, the Genome Project and the Autism Treatment, Treatment Network as well, which is now over, I believe, 14 institutions in the U.S. and Canada, medical institutions coming together for treating the whole child with autism, the best medical practices for, you know, some children who are nonverbal. We have to know, you know, if they're complaining, they seem to be in pain, how to treat those children and, doc, you know, places where parents can go to take their child for those problems as well. Right. I see we have a caller on the line who I want to bring in. Hang mm -hmm. on a second. Hello, caller. Are you there? Are you there listening? Yes. <laughs> give her one more second. Hello, you're on the line with Mama's Pearls. I'm still here. <laughs> Melissa's still there. Okay, Melissa's here. Yeah. Carrie's still here. And I believe Ellen will be on the line and joining us shortly, too. Okay, so I just muted. Um, the caller again, but caller, if you do want to come back on, just send me an email at Cynthia at mamaspearls.com, and I will bring you back on. Um, so, you know, from from what I'm hearing and what I'm really grateful for is that there is a, 
community of support out there and information. Um, and I kind of, you know, I kind of say it jokingly, but when I was doing the research of all the different um, levels of autism and all the different types of um, special needs and diseases that are out there and that our children are facing with, it was like there was a matching organization and support group that came with it, and there's a whole field of study that goes with each one, and it was kind of like there's an app for that. So, like, you know, when when you're going through this as a parent, like, you're not alone, and that's something Melissa and I say over and over and over again on this show as a reminder um, that if you're going through it, chances are hundreds, if not thousands, if not, you know, in the case of autism, 100,000 other parents are going through the same thing as you. And I'm just really grateful that Autism Speaks is a, you know, huge organization who's committed to, um, committed to autism and the research and giving support for parents. So do you want to just quickly also tell us about the, the walk and the fundraising efforts for Autism Speaks? Absolutely. The walk is really, you know, amazingly enough how Autism Speaks raises you know, some of the most money. And the Long Island Walk, which is the walk that I participate in, is the largest autism walk in the world. They raise over a million dollars every year. It's at Jones Beach actually this Sunday, October 3rd, starting at 9.30. And people can come in and sign up and register from 9.30 all on up to 1.30. We're going to have some amazing speakers and some amazing performers there this year. And the first walk that I ever went to was a month, two months after Jack was diagnosed. And going right to the point that you were saying about not feeling alone, there were 25,000 other people there at Jones Beach who were all there for the same reason, walking for a child, a family member, or a friend who has autism, who's been affected by autism. And that was just an amazing experience, a feeling we're all in this together. And some of us, you know, may have a more difficult autism journey than others, but we're all fighting for the same thing, fighting for our children. And it's just a very family-friendly, kid-friendly, just really wonderful and positive day. And we definitely encourage everybody to, if they've never been down there, certainly to come down and to check it out because it's really amazing. And it is the, the largest autism walk in the world right here on Long Island. I think it's amazing, and it's happening again. It's happening this Sunday, October 3rd, out in Jones Beach. Um, if you want to support the walk, I'm actually supporting one of my one of my friends, and her son is Tyler, and the team is Tyler Whittles. Um, so you can go oh, yeah. online and either look for a specific team or um, or just give a general donation in support of Autism Speak. So, yeah, I, I know Cindy Whittles is a big proponent and big supporter, um, and she speaks, you know, all around about um, autism and, and, and life with Tyler mm-hmm. and her experience. So um, I'm, again, just really grateful and proud to be able to open the space and share the Mama's Pearls um Mama's Pearl space with you and with Autism Speaks, and I just thank you again for sharing your story, your journey, and a little bit about the the organization. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you. Okay, take care. Have fun at the walk. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank Hopefully you so much. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Okay. Okay, so now we're going to switch gears a little bit and bring on our other special guest. I thought that was just it's amazing and totally insightful. And like I said, it's, um, 
you know, there, there's such a broad spectrum out there, and autism is just one of the many special needs that you and your family might be facing. And um, we talked a little bit in the beginning of the show about our our second guest, Ellen, and her journey with her son, Max, who has cerebral palsy. So I would love to bring Ellen on now and talk a little bit more about um, this experience and this condition. So, Ellen, are you there? I'm here. Hi, Ellen. Welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. Well, yeah, I'm really excited. Masha, Masha Endenberger, who is one of my regulars here at Mama's Pearls, um, when I said to her that I'm doing a show on special needs, she automatically pointed me to you and to your blog, which is Love That Max, um, and I believe you're, you're a Twitter at Love That Max, and I'm just, I'm just really happy for you to come on and kind of share this, this little bit of a different um, different view into the world of special needs. So if you wouldn't mind, please please share your experience. Um, sure, sure. Um, well, we um, have a little boy, Max, who's seven now, and who had a stroke when he was born. And many of you may be thinking, I didn't know babies could have strokes, but it's actually not that uncommon. And we were told the worst about him. We were told he would never walk or talk and that he could have mental retardation and hearing and vision problems. And it was basically every single nightmare you could possibly think of happening. And that first year with him was the most bleak one of my life. We just, I just watched him like a hawk. I worried about every single movement he made. I worried why he wasn't doing things on time. Um, I, I couldn't really enjoy how cute he was because I was so worried about him. And, you know, then Max just actually kept progressing. He kept progressing. It was on his own timeline. But he did, he started doing things. He, you know, finally did crawl when he was two. And he walked at the age of three. And today he is doing pretty well for himself. He, um, he has the ability to speak. We use a iPad, an iPad with a speech app on it to help him and assist him. Um, he has some challenges using his hands, but he gets around that. He has a whole lot of determination, and he is an amazing kid all around. And I started writing my blog because I wanted to inspire parents um, with young kids who have special needs because that was the hardest time of my life, but the not knowing what he would, you know, quote, unquote, be like. Um, and so I've been writing the blog for two years now, and it's been great. Right. And um, one of the things I really like about your blog is that it is inspiring, but it's extremely, um, extremely honest. And, you know, one of the questions that I had, though, because... You know, when I was doing research as, as far as um, as far as the the more noticeable you know the more noticeable conditions versus something like autism that may creep up on you as your child develops and ages was um, you know with cerebral palsy it mainly does happen because of a trauma at birth and you know what are what are some of the things that um, you know that you had to adjust to. Like what? What are the conditions of your child? Like what? What essentially goes wrong when you have cerebral palsy? I mean, cerebral palsy yeah. literally means weakness of in the mind, in the brain, and 
um, your brain, and obviously this isn't something I had ever thought about before I had a kid, but your brain controls how your muscles work. And so when you have cerebral palsy, your brain has damage and is not sending the right signals to your muscles. And so all sorts of things can happen. Some kids with cerebral palsy are very floppy, it's called, and they just don't have a lot of tone in their body. And so they aren't able to walk and they really can't use their hands. Some kids with cerebral palsy have too much stiffness. They have trouble using their hands and walking because their muscles are too stiff. It all depends on the parts of the brain that are damaged and the extent of the damage. Um, and it can affect all sorts of things. It can, Max has had um, challenges with fine motor skills, um, using his hands just to pick up things. He never developed that pincer grasp where you, you know, that little, little kids get where you can just pick things up between your forefinger and thumb. Um, and talking, actually, in, is a big fine motor skill because to say a word or a sentence involves dozens of intricate movements, if not hundreds, by your tongue. And so he's had challenges with um, speaking as a result of the cerebral palsy. But there's such a huge gamut of what cerebral palsy can mean. I think when you hear the words, and certainly when I heard the words first, I thought the worst, you know, and again, there's such a big gamut of what it can mean. Um, there's a child at my son's school who is incapacitated, you know, he's in a wheelchair, can't get around, but he's the most brilliant kid ever. <laughs> so, um, you know, there, it comes in all forms, just like autism, too. <laughs> right, and, and that's the thing that, that amazed me probably the most when I started researching this, which is how broad... Um, each one of these categories are, and um, cerebral palsy is something that I've heard about, and actually when I started our Facebook chat this week, which is something I do every week when we're talking about um, the different themes, was another parent responded um, who has a son with cerebral palsy, and one of the one of the takeaways that I really got from just my short interaction with him and from speaking with other parents who have children with special needs is like, in a way, these children are here to teach us about like the simpler things mm. and you know mm. helping us kind of dive in. And what this particular parent was saying was like, when he comes home from a really hard day at work and he thinks like. You know, he has just the worst issues that he has to deal with and he has problems and he sees his son who is has has this disability and this condition rolling around on the bed just being happy. Uh-huh, and he realizes uh-huh. that nothing else really matters and that he really doesn't have any other problems. Like those sweet, precious moments of just rolling around with your kids right, is really right. all that all that all that there for, you know? Right, right. Oh, uh, I was just talking with another mom about that and how the other thing is that you know, when you have a young child with challenges, you just keep praying that he will hit the quote-unquote milestones. Well, right. you know, some kids never hit them, and some kids just do them in a very over a very extended period of time. But as your child grows older, and this is certainly true for me, you learn to appreciate the smaller accomplishments, so-called smaller, because really they're not small. Like the other day, my son was sitting at the kitchen table and holding a crayon, and he managed to draw a circle. Now, listen, for any other parent in my neighborhood, 
a seven-year-old boy drawing a circle on a paper would be no big deal. But for me, it was the first time I'd seen him do that. It, you know, he was grasping the crayon correctly, and I was so excited. And I get lots of these smaller moments throughout throughout the weeks and throughout the months of Max doing something, just a smaller thing seemingly, but it's really a big deal. And I'm so excited that he's able to do it. Yeah, I mean, you, you definitely, you definitely have to, to um, select the small stuff. I guess when when you're dealing with a child who has special needs, in terms of celebrating those minor accomplishments that so many of us um, who are quote typical do not have. And the other right. thing that that this, this whole topic really brought up for me was, you know, and I always try and picture what I would be like like that, you know, and you know to try and get perspective. And one of the things I do remember is, you know, just throughout the times when I have had a disability, where I did have surgery on my leg and I was incapacitated, where I had two C-sections mm, and I couldn't mm. move after my, after my surgery, or when mm. I got a black eye, or when I broke my toe, or when right. I had laryngitis. Right. And each of us have been sick, and we know what it's like to not be on top of our game. Right, and right. When you are sick, like you, you kind of go to other places to to overcompensate and rely on other skills. Right. And in that process, you you develop like this inner strength and this other other power that comes out. And you know, when you're dealing with a child, it's like you're working um, child with special needs. Like like you said, you're working with them and your your team that's with you as far as when you get in the educational system to help them reach those milestones. And you kind of realize, like, each of these childs are working at their own space. And for anyone who kind of has a judgment or a stigma or looks down on it, you know, I just, you know, ask them to remember a time because, you know, everybody has experienced it at one when they were sick and couldn't couldn't do what they wanted to to do or didn't have full control over all of their functions. Right. and I think that's a real eye opener for for people. And when I was when I was thinking about this, of you know, of of oh my God, that there's you know, just of what that experience is like, and that there's no one right, correct, quote normal way anymore. That there's too many children out there and too many people who have different disabilities. That that it's just you know, it's becoming um, a minor majority, so to speak. Right, right. I think that's a really good point. You know, and something you said also reminded me that, you know, so often um, parents of kids with special needs experience what I've called, sorry about that, that's my other phone, what I've called the pity stare, as in, you know, just people giving you this look of total pity as in poor you and, you know, poor, poor little boy. And that drives me crazy. You know, I just, we are not people to be pitied. My son is not somebody to be pitied. He may have challenges. He may act a little differently than other kids. But I want people to treat him like a kid first, not like a kid with special needs. He enjoys the same things as every other child out there. He likes to play. He likes it when you try to be funny. He likes to eat chocolate ice cream, you know, all of that good stuff. And I think that's something that I'd love for people out there to know. Kids with special needs are still kids first. Right. Can I put in my two cents, too, Tim, on one note? Absolutely. Since we're talking about pity, and not to go into my story, but I do have a daughter with physical disabilities, and so definitely 
completely a different venue for another time. But I will also emphasize the importance of the pity parties for yourself. And so, you know, to moms like you, Ellen, we're strong day to day and we're out for a fight, but it's important to know it's okay to, to, to go into the bathroom, close the door once in a while and have a pity party and cry your eyes out because it's a struggle and it's, it's just a battle every day out there. So the milestones definitely make you smile, but there are days that it is okay, no matter what, even if it's the littlest, littlest disability that you kids, and you can think of 100 kids with worse problems, that it's okay to have the pity party by yourself. And that, you know, right. that's where the support system comes in. And also, you know, and to also work on your relationship. If you're in a, a marriage and there's other children around, that it is so important to recognize that you're in a situation and in a world that requires you to work even harder at your daily life because your day is not quote-unquote normal. And so I just thought I would throw those two pearls out there. Yeah, no, I, I mean, think, yeah. Um, I was going to yeah, say, I, I wasn't saying that, I mean, I was talking about I, other people I, I, no, pitying you. I agree, you, and I just wanted you know. to add to the conversation that, again, I agree. I don't want anyone to look at my daughter and, and feel bad for her. Yeah. Um, but I do sometimes need people to just give me a break once in a while when my situation is different. And, right, uh, right, right. And not to roll their eyes at me because my situation is different and that my daughter does require some special stuff. <laughs> so I right. to ask somebody sometimes too. Right, right. right. No, it's, just, it's a fine line, right, like between, you know, listen, we, we get special passes when we go to Disney because we need them. <laughs> You know, right, stand right. in the line, yeah, and you know, yeah, I'm, there are yeah. some perks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There, there are some perks. When, I, when hard, I had crushes yeah. in high school, I had my elevator pass, and I got to leave school early. But you know, but I think I think it's so important, and that this is why we're we're opening this topic up for conversation. Is it's really important to realize all these different sides to the coin, right? And that, yes. You know, parents with special needs have to dive a little bit deeper in their parenting skills and also in their interrelationship skills with each other. And Melissa, I'm so glad you brought that up because I just yeah, we want to be here and not make people feel like, oh my God, I'm different. We want to make sure that everyone out there knows that we have great days, but as parents with disabilities, we go in the we do go in the shower and sometimes have to break down. <laughs> right, but, right, yeah. of course, and, and that's going to happen. You know, I mean, and I say it in the blog how every parent experienced the heartbreaks and triumphs with your children, and with um, with special needs children, that's that's even more expected to have like those those extreme highs and those extreme lows, and um, and it's just it's like you said, it's not something to feel, it's just something that's that's to be expected. Um, And to give yourself that space in that room and to give your child that room, too, because, you know, children will get frustrated, too. They know when they're not meeting um, a certain expectation of you, and they they sense disappointment, and they sense heartbreak, and they sense all the feelings that you're having around it. So, you know, obviously being open and honest about it, and the the show is going to cut off from the live streaming, so if you are listening live, you're going to need to go back into the archives to, to hear the rest of the wrap-up of, of the show, but I do want to continue for a couple more minutes, because I always kind of do. Okay. Um, but <laughs> we always kind of go overboard, but that's okay. But I, um, you know, I think of, of what, you know, everything that, that both 
you ladies have said and also that um, that Kira has said is just it is really important to kind of have have the information to know how to deal is one thing, but you know having the emotional capacity to um, to bear the quote burden of it is a whole different a whole different ball game. And perhaps maybe Melissa, that's a little bit more about what we talk about um, or what you can go into on in MGEMS, which you'll you'll post on Friday. It's kind of you know rounding out the week. Yes, I mean, definitely, I think, you know, every emotion comes into play when you get either a diagnosis at birth, just as both we did, or when you get your child's diagnosis anytime from age day one to 100, you know. Nobody wants to hear there's something wrong with their children, and so it's important to embrace, as I always say, don't force it, embrace it, embrace all the, the anger that happens a lot of times, um, the sadness that happens at times, but yet the strength that we hmm. don't even realize we have, whether it be the physical strength or the mental strength and the, the endurance that the parents deal with every day. And um, what I love about the World Wide Web is the fact that you can connect with people any place in this world who are going through the exact same day as you and have that support system. And so... Um, I think it's just phenomenal that, you know, we're at a place in our world that there's services out there, there's, there's people out there going through the same things you are, and um, it's important to raise your hand and ask for help. Mm. Right. So, so, Ellen, what were some of the services or resources that really helped you? Um, well, I have, early on, I, it was unfortunate that there were, parenting blogs weren't big, um, when I first found out about Max's challenges, and I wish I would have had blogs back then, but now I am always reading other blogs and or blogging on my own, and it's completely informative and helpful. Um, sometimes um, Twitter can even be a very quick way to get a quick response to a question that you have if you use the hashtag special needs. Um, if you're not sure what I'm talking about, look it up. <laughs> it's hard to explain. Um, and um, my child had a stroke, so there is a group called um, the uh, Pediatric Stroke Network. I was part of their e-loop early on. You can go on to Yahoo and find a group for your child's specific challenges. There is probably um, a major site dedicated to your child's challenges. There is so much um, on the web um, that you can you know, delve into as much or as little as you want. You don't have to participate. You can just read the other responses, and that's really helpful sometimes. And, you know, I think that all of us nowadays have a tendency, too, I have to say, to get very sucked into the web. And it's important to remember not to overlook the importance of just having, you know, one-to-one -one or conversations with friends, finding a support group in your area, um, I think we've gone the opposite way of engaging and finding help online, and we forget how important it is just to have those face-to-face -face conversations, too. So, Right. Which, one little part that's interesting about that, and thank you for sharing those resources with us, was when I was talking to Masha yesterday about the show, she was saying how, you know, we are creating a whole new world for these children, and, you know, they'll basically create their own ways and may not fall into um, the pathways that the mainstream kids, which, you know, 
You become a doctor, you become a lawyer, you go into a corporation, you become a CEO. But they'll be creating their own world of which to to live and operate from, and maybe that's going to be a whole new model and different than what we can even imagine. Right, So, right. you know, it, it will be, you know, interesting to see what they do wind up creating and what their ultimate gifts are um, to the world at large. Obviously, they bring gifts into their homes and to their families and into their loved ones every single moment of each day, like every other child. Um, but it is kind of it is kind of interesting to see on, on the larger sense, like what these these children are going to are going to do and how they will um, not necessarily adapt to the world, but you know, for the world to adapt to them or vice versa. Right. Um, so I think it's going to be interesting and. You know, luckily there there have been you know famous people throughout throughout the ages who have brought these issues to life. You know, the most recent that I can think of is Temple Grandin, who's yeah. um, if that name sounds familiar, is mm-hmm. because her there was a um, HBO did a series or or, or a special on her life starring Claire Danes, which won a bunch of Emmy awards. Hmm. And um, and she's one of the, the kind of poster childs for um, autistic, autistic people who has accomplished a lot in this life and has, she's written a, a series of books and that series is basically, that show is based on her life story. And, um, you know, the other resources and obviously Christopher Reeve being somebody and Stephen Hawkins. I mean, these are kind of the, the poster children. Right, um, right. There's um, also... Michael um, J. Fox. Yes, yes. You know what's really good, too, um, and it, they're about cerebral palsy, but they're applicable to all families. Um, there's um, a movie called Including Samuel. It's a documentary. of. Uh, it's a filmmaker, actually, who um, tried to get his son included in a quote-unquote typical classroom. It's really interesting and moving and inspirational. And again, it's called Including Samuel. And I'm also in the midst of watching a movie that came out a while ago. It's called King Gimp. You guys might have heard of it, but it's about an artist named Daniel Kaplinger who has cerebral palsy and who has managed to become this world-renowned painter. He attaches the paintbrush to his forehead with a band, and he paints. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's pretty incredible no, I, and I, moving. I yeah. haven't seen it, but I saw, I saw like, previews for it. Yeah. Um, so I know what you're talking about. I mean, and I think the ultimate part of it, I mean, and who can forget the heartfelt character of Tom Hanks playing Forrest Gump. Um, right. But I think that, you know, at the heart of it is that there's, you know, all hope is not lost, that your children will find a way. You will find a way to, to work with your parents, work with your kids, and you will have support, you know, particularly from, from the school system, um, as well as many numerous resources out there to help you and your and your family um, not only deal but, but to thrive. You will have your ups and downs, and um, that's to be expected, but there are these children will grow up to be um, to be something and make a life and and have um, and I think that's one of the biggest fears. You know, obviously, just starting back at the beginning of this process is you know when any expectant parent, when you know your your child is in utero and you're pregnant, you know you always have that fear and the nightmare that something's going to be wrong, and um, you know you, those are like the dreaded words that you 
that any parent just dreads hearing if something is wrong with your child at any stage of the game. Right. Um, and it can happen at any time, um, you know, whether at birth, before birth, at two years old, or anywhere down, down the line if something happens, God forbid, but if something does happen, um, that just know that, again, you're not alone. There are resources. The other resources that I found, which were, which were really, I just thought were really helpful, there's a website called um, Children with Special Needs, and it's childrenwithspecialneeds.com, and it, it basically breaks down and gives information about, you know, almost every single um, form of disability and has links and resources and information about it. Uh, Temple Grandin's website is www.templegrandin.com. It also would be really helpful, I think, if anybody wanted to do some more information about your rights and how um, how legislation has um, has evolved is to look at the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act, which is IDEA, and that you can find online. Obviously, AutismSpeaks.org has amazing, amazing resources. The other bloggers like Mike Ellen at Love That Max, and the other blogger that Melissa and I love is Jana Bannon, which is J-A-N-A-B-A-N-I-N. So um, there are resources out there. Ellen, I thank you so much for, for helping open it, opening this space and holding this space with us um, for other parents who have children with cerebral palsy and to informing us a little bit more about the condition and your journey. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Okay. And, um, and again, that um, Ellen can be found. Her blog is lovethatmax.com. And she can also oh, it's be love found that on... Sorry, it's at .blogspot.com right now. .blogspot.com. Okay, thank yep. you. And your Twitter? Uh, at Love That Max. Yep, Love That okay. Max. Great. Thank you so much. And keep us posted with, with how he's doing. Gladly. He's a great kid. Thank you. Bye. Bye. So, Melissa. I'm here. Wow. That was, um, that was intense. I gotta say, that was quite a quite an intense show today. Yeah, but um, yeah, no, it's definitely intense. But you know what? We're here. You know, that's what we're here to do. We're here to you know open the world to know that we're like the big couch. We're like the big comfy couch. You know. Um, yeah, that's, that's 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 one of your other favorite gems is that. And I think it's so true. Like you said, we're not alone. And the second that you find out that you're facing a problem, you better get yourself a big couch because there's going to be, you're going to fill it up quickly with other parents going through the exact same thing. Yeah. So, um, um, yeah. It's not even just parents. You know, I came to that conclusion many years ago when I had a life event, and I was like, wow, how could this happen to me? And quickly I spoke to a couple of people, and the next thing you knew, I spoke to a person who I was shocked about, and my and and she was like, "Oh, I went through the same thing," and I was like, "What?" <laughs> you know, um, not that you should go around blabbering your problems, but you'll see very quickly once you're dealing with your problems that you're not alone. And so I, I think that's where you know we have to stick together as mamas. And I think it definitely helps to to bring these issues out out into the forefront. And again, if you wanted to listen to any of our shows about Education Month or this one again, you could find us at www.blogtalkradio.com 
slash Mama's Pearls. You can find us on um, Twitter at SinTweet. You can find the, um, the like page on Facebook, which is at Mama's Pearls. You can email um, myself at Cynthia at MamasPearls.com or Melissa at MamasPearls.com. And again, our blogs can be found and our website is www.MamasPearls.com. Now, we're, we're moving away a little bit from education and into October, which is the fall to harvest month. And, um, Melissa, I'm not really sure what we got, we got coming up, but I know it's going to be awesome. You know, Halloween's around the corner. <laughs> and, uh, and that we're thinking about, you know, sweet treats and all, like, spooky trick-or-treating stuff. Um, we're going to well, think, we I think that we... We've already had the dentist on, so we have to be careful. We can't go back there. <laughs> no, but may, maybe we can do something and, and talk a little bit about how to make a little bit healthier um, options for Halloween. Yeah, I was just in a national, uh, a national realtor store, a big store, and noticed um, next to the candy aisle there was some great um, bulk I guess, bulk bags of other options, and one was like those fake teeth, and one was like uh, like silly ball eyeballs. So, you know, obviously we don't want choking hazards, but uh, definitely other options to throw in the trick-or-treat basket. Uh, so right. Well, I, I already bought like my first bag of stuff, and I actually bought um, like um, I was say ketchup. I didn't buy ketchup. I'm not giving out ketchup this year. So I bought um, bags, of, bags of mini pretzels, and, you know, they have the orange and um, black bags, and I put out my Halloween, um, my typical Halloween and My daughter got so excited. She, like, ran up expecting just junk, and she pulled it out, and she's like, I want it, I want it, I want it. And when I opened it up and she saw it was pretzels, you should have seen the look on her face. <laughs> she actually brings Talking a little bit about, you know, this is allergy season as well, and I think um, it's funny because my husband loves Reese's peanut butter cups, and I'm always like, well, I can't get those because I don't want to give out peanut butter um, to random strangers. I don't need, you know, that worry worry on my shoulder. So, you know, I'm thinking we may go near allergies if we're talking about disabilities in a whole different way. Um, right. I think that's a hot topic, too, that parents, it's a very hard line to drive. You know, some parents with kids without allergies are not very uh, sympathetic to parents that are dealing with allergies. And, you know, it's interesting now that and I'm in, in a school system that it's a hot topic. It, it, you know, it comes up, at, the question comes up at every meeting, and, you know, it's a hard one to, uh, there's so many different allergies now. It's not just about eliminating peanuts, it's eliminating certain other kinds of nuts and, and just all kinds of different things. So um, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there, you know, battling that kind of disability for their child. So we definitely like to hear from people if they're out there. Right. So I think I think bottom line is we'll find something to talk about over October. Yeah, uh, I think <laughs> we always have something to talk about. <laughs> I know. That's, that's never an issue. I, I couldn't believe how much, like, how, like, on and on and on I was going at the beginning of the show. But, I mean, you know, this topic of special needs is something I'm I'm really impassioned about, um, you know, one, with you and, and your daughter, and, and two, that what we've been experiencing as a family and in talking with my other, my other friends um, about what they've been experiencing. And it is a growing 
a growing trend. You know, I hate using the word trend, but it is a growing um, it is a growing trend that more kids are are being diagnosed with autism. And you know, part of that is just that we're better educated to um, to to read the warning signs and to know about it, and that that ties back to with our just whole advancement and, and progress that we've made with understanding and being understanding of special needs. So, again, this will be the first of, of a few shows that we do surrounding surrounding this topic. And thank you, everybody, for, for listening and for your feedback on Facebook and on email. Melissa and I really do look forward to receiving your comments um, and to discussing them. So, um, just wanted to remind everybody that you're listening to Mama's Pearls and to enjoy your children, enjoy your family, say I love you, and remember that the new normal may just be a little abnormal. So have a great week, everybody. We will see you back here next week. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks, Melissa.